Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. So, um, a good way to end the year is with a gratitude practice, which I thought we would do uh, today. And some inspiration um, for today, for preparing for today and thinking about gratitude. One is from Rumi. Um, he says, a rose opens because she, she is the fragrance she loves. A rose opens because she is the fragrance she loves. And sometimes with gratitude, there's this sweet fragrance, this stopping and sensing and smelling the sweetness of life because very often our mind, our brains are solving problems and looking for threats and noticing what's wrong and um, trying to get us to fix it so we don't always stop and smell the sweet fragrance of our lives and what we love. Um, and he says, with life as short as a half breath, don't plant anything but love. And um, the other line that was an inspiration for today <coughs> is from my first meditation teacher. And uh, her, one of her lines that have always stayed with me is, um, she said, don't be fooled by time. It's a great trickster. It tells you you've got plenty of it. But in truth, there's not enough. So don't wait. Don't wait. Okay. So um, we're pausing for gratitude practice. And again, in this way, we can counteract that tendency of the mind to focus on problems, flaws, and obstacles that can keep us very contracted um, and stuck in some self story. You know, all the story of self, the negative self, um, that really can keep us not... Um, living at ease and noticing the gifts that we have. Um, and this is from, I'll find his, Ajahn Pisano. Uh, he says, we can set aside and bring our attention to the conditions of our lives that are our blessings. And these conditions that align themselves with what is skillful and inherently good. What is skillful? and inherently good. He says, we're swimming in blessings. And it's true. We're really swimming in blessings, but we don't see what we're swimming in. So this is the moment to stop and see that. And he said, as we bring them to mind and reflect on them, they become a field of blessings. And then in that field, it's not just for ourselves. When we open up to our blessings, we also open up to generosity. You know that saying, the cup fills over? Yeah. So as we see gratitude and blessings for what we're filled with, we're more open to be generous and give the gifts we've received. And a lot of practice is really about giving the gifts of what we've received. <laughs> when what lights you up makes you want to light others up and help with the conditions to light people up yeah? so um, 
so he recommends that as we attend to these blessings, these gifts of gratitude, and we could do it throughout the day, um, then we're more aligned with right action, good intentions, and wholesome thought. And as we do this and practice this over and over, we can find that ease of being and the place of ease. I love that saying, rest in the center of things, from Frank Austin Spake, uh, his book. Um, there was a, a teaching on resting in the center of things. And with gratitude, we can rest in the center of things. And as we learn to rest in ease, our efforts could have more ease. So we're not efforting with that muscling, pushing forward, but we're finding a place of ease in doing. And that is a great gift. So, um, so gratitude for practice is, a, is one thing I wanted to stop and look at with you, although we have, there's so much to be grateful for, even in these rough and difficult times that we're in with so many challenges on so many levels. And I thought about that for a bit. Um, what am I grateful for in terms of practice? And um, I'm still grateful after all these years, 40 years of meditating, for the fact that there's a refuge within that's just beneath my nose or eyes or, you know, not very far away that I don't have to travel to where stillness can be accessed in peace and calm and ease and the mind could rest, the heart could rest. Very grateful for that, awakening to that. I have to go anywhere to find that. It's right here. It's as close as the breath. It's an enormous gift, and it still gives, and it's still as exciting and enriching as it was 40 years ago. And um, another area of gratefulness for me is uh, the Four Noble Truths in Buddhism. The truth of suffering, the end of suffering, freedom from suffering, to contemplate that and practice that and, and understand that in depth. I accidentally woke up to Richie Haven's song, Freedom. Who knows that song? What a great way to wake up today to the song, Freedom. And this, that Buddha's teachings is a path to freedom. When I can remember imperfectly working on this waking up to the path of freedom. Another thing about the Four Noble Truths, my mom had a saying, every once in a while she would remember and say this, very rare, but she would look at me when we were growing up and she said, I have to remember, you are my borrowed child. I only have you for a short while, you're not mine forever. You're just borrowed. And I remember she would say that, and I would feel the sweetness of that, her letting go, her release, you know, her knowing what isn't yours, what isn't hers, what isn't mine. It was a lovely moment. I, and, and in truth, okay, I would say maybe we could have had a few more moments like that. <laughs> but I'm lucky we had a few. And we had the ones we had. 
So the Four Noble Truths also teaches me what's borrowed, what's mine, and what's not mine. And most of it's not mine. <laughs> so freedom, what's borrowed, these are beautiful um, truths to contemplate that lead to a peace. And the last one I'll say is um, understanding the nature of mind. Mind being able to see mind and not being caught in it. I find that absolutely fascinating. I'm never bored by that. Those aha moments are so deep and freeing. And there's always more to know about that that's never finished. Every time you think you know your mind, you're so surprised. <laughs> and the surprises are so amazing yeah. when you see your mind and can get free a little bit and see the truth of the mind. So these are the things that bring um, me back to the cushion and back to community and practicing in community, supporting community. Um, and are so important, have illuminated my life. And uh, a rose opens because she is the fragrance she loves. These are the things I have loved in practice, mm -hmm. have truly deeply loved. And um, I love the rose garden, sharing it with all of you. So on that note, I know some of you have volunteered <coughs> to share your gratitude. I think there were four people. <laughs> yes. In the beginning of 2018, I committed to gratitude practice every day. Three to six gratitudes I wrote down in the morning. Or at night. I was supposed to write three in the morning and three at night, but that didn't always happen. <laughs> um, and I, you know, I had some some really hard things to slog through this year. Um, pretty big ticket items. I kept doing it. And um, today, before I came to Sangha, I started reading my gratitude journal. And it took me two hours to get through the first half of it. Yeah. Now think about it for a minute what it would be like to be in bliss for two straight hours, just, I mean, how hard is that to accomplish in normal life? When do we actually get to do something like that in our regular lives? Where you could just have two solid hours of bliss and just read things that were great and live in it and remember it? Not too often. I mean, I've, I can't say it's ever happened before in my life. And I feel totally amped right now. It's just amazing uh, being here. I mean, and I got to tell you, I mean, if you're not doing gratitude journal, I really hope you'll start <laughs> because it was this energy I'm feeling right now is, I mean, I often struggle with, you know, like lack of energy, you know, like just either for emotional reasons or physical reasons or whatever. But, um, I sat all the way through the sit without any chatter, nothing, and feeling this powerful vibe of gratitude. 
So um, I want you to think about doing that for yourself. Um, and I wrote some answers to the questions, but maybe that's a good place for me to... Okay. <laughs> but really, please think about that, because it could really... I mean, <clears throat> two hours, and that's just half of it. Mm -hmm. Thank Imagine you. Taking a month, once a month, and just reading your month's gratitudes mm -hmm. and spending 20 minutes reading gratitudes straight through, how that would affect your life. Who are the other volunteers? <coughs> ah, Kathy. Um, first, um, I'm grateful that I've um, been able to feel more gratitude um, for the people and the experiences and the opportunities in my life. And um, I think, you know, that's, I think, due to the sits and the readings and the Dharma talks and classes and some retreats I've been able to go on, that's really, I think, contributed a lot to, to that. And the other thing I'm um, really grateful for is I've been um, practicing compassion and self-compassion, uh, bringing that um, and practicing sort of bringing that to some of the easier um, smaller kind of thoughts or feelings or reactions I have has um, helped me to be able to bring some compassion, especially self-compassion, to some of the, the bigger, more painful issues. So it's been, I'm grateful for that. Yeah, it's a great practice. Compassion and self-compassion yeah. so important. Yeah. Great. Thank you. Who are the others? There were two more. Yes, Catherine. <clears throat> um, okay. These are in response to the questions, so I said, um, I guess, uh, the first one was the official first question. It's actually over there, and I think Vanessa could read it, if you wouldn't mind. Do you want to read the first question? Sure. How has your practice or meditation and or loving kindness impacted your life? Okay. <clears throat> so I think, um, the com compassion, well, big thing since I started here, I guess it was in June, it was the two-day sit, um, uh, was uh, sitting with anger or fear, anxiety, um, and I had like, actually I had a really um, unique moment when we were doing the walking meditation on the long weekend, uh, where I had that kind of churning anxiety feeling that I kept doing the walking and breathing, and then it lasted long enough that I felt it pass, and I was like, wow, that was, that was great. Mm -hmm. I don't really experience that in the past exactly. So. Um, and then it's helping me to, to see the larger picture um, beyond my assumptions about myself or other people. <clears throat> and then embracing and facing challenges, um, slowing down, experiencing more of the moment. Um, in the sense, well, with the Sangha, um, like I've been involved over the years with various Sanghas and then taking breaks in between, and, but this Sangha has been nice, but it's very easy for me to, to feel like I can be, be a part of it and then just get involved in, in a very easy, soft kind of way. <laughs> um, let's see, um, I can't remember what the last question was, but um, 
Yeah, it also helps to uh, know that other people are searching for similar answers or facing similar challenges. Um, and then um, helps to see other people learning how to uh, be at ease with themselves, open more to others. Um, and then uh, what I've gotten from the group is um, this time for to sit with others. And uh, with the short retreats, I really enjoyed the one gathering I was able to make it to because I just was amazed by just the energy I felt just being there with everybody. You could really feel this, you know, accepting, maybe compassionate kind of energy. And I really enjoy listening to the talks. I always listen, when I'm not here, I listen to and from work. And um, I thought it would be interesting to have more visitors to maybe speak again. So, that was Thank you. Thank you. One more? Who was that fourth person? <coughs> did you send me something? Did I? Yes, yes I did. Okay, and you're not raising your hand now. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> it was very nice. Do you want to share a little bit about what you said? Well, I, okay. okay, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't going to I moved here from the East Coast two and a half years ago, um, and landing in Long Beach, I found out that uh, I really need community in my life. So I've been able to find this community, I've been able to find the men's group community, I've been able to find an organic gardening community, uh, yoga community, and it's I'm very grateful for, for all of this. Um, it really enriches my life, and I'm, I appreciate you giving this topic today because sometimes you need someone to grab you and say stop you know and what are you grateful for um, so thank you so um, what are what are the benefits of meditation I, I googled that yesterday <laughs> and there are like 30 lists of 20 things that meditation does for you like fast, you know, it's so amazing. You can get that information. So, what what are some of the things that we know meditation is um, helps you with? Let's see if we can beat the Google search. <laughs> what does meditation help? How has meditation helped you? It or calms you. Calms you. Helps me fall asleep at night. Helps you fall asleep, relax, and sleep. Anybody else? Concentration seems to slow the world down so you can understand what's going on. Yeah. Focus. Focus. Center. Center. Less reactive. Less reactive. Right. Right. Helps you learn better. Helps you learn better. The, one of the things was improves your GPA. <laughs> <laughs> and it kind of does. I, it does. When I was in college, once I started meditating, my, I did improve the GPA. I have to say, it did happen. <laughs> yeah. It grows your brain. Grows your brain. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody else? Helps you let go of suffering. Helps you let go of suffering. Um, I'll, I'm going to read a few. Boosts your happiness. 
decreases inflammation at the cellular level, um, increases positive emotion, decreases depression, decreases anxiety, decreases stress. It boosts your social life. I don't know why it says that. <laughs> that was a new one for me. Saga. I think all Saga. the, all the right. other ones lead right. to that one. It increases social connection and emotional intelligence. Saga. Yeah. Makes you more compassionate. Makes you feel less lonely. Um, boosts your self-control. Changes your brain. The gray matter. Does anybody know what the gray matter is? It's the cells in the brain. Yeah, it's Thank the you. neurons. Okay, neuron cells. All right. If somebody says gray matter, I just think of gray Crayola crayons. And I take it past the gray. But there's gray in there? You know, okay. Um, increases volume in areas related to emotion regulation, positive emotions, and self-control. Increases cortical thickness in areas related to paying attention, focus and attention, Multitaskability improves your memory sometimes. <laughs> um, improves your ability to be creative and think outside the box. Makes you wiser. Keeps you real. There's a couple others that I missed. Boosts your immune function and decreases pain. There's only been Two or three people in recorded uh, Buddhist literature reach full enlightenment without meditating. Good point. All right. So a lot to be grateful that we have a place to come and practice two days a week and with the classes um, and lots and lots of support. So uh, there's much to be said for this practice, and it's not always easy, is it? It's not the easiest practice. And that's why it's a good idea to have Sangha, because we reinforce each other and support each other. So we have about 10 more minutes, and um, we have enough time to get you into little group to talk about gratitude for practice or gratitude in your life, or what you're grateful for, and share with each other. So find some partners, two or three in a group, Four if you want, and we have about 10 minutes for that. So I want to move our um, focus to wise intention, but keeping the sweet fragrance of gratitude in the room, what you're finding, what lights you up, what opens your heart, what makes you want to want to be here and to practice, that's really essential when we talk about wise intention. Um, a lot of times these resolutions are about creating a better sense of myself and just creating a bigger list of things to do and how to be better and just stress and pushing. And wise intention is really not about creating a better you. It's about undoing the you that you think needs to be better. So, um, so we want to focus on what is it that lights you up in practice, that gets you excited to practice, that brings you energy. Is it insight in the Dharma, reading the Buddha's words, or that sense of freedom 
that Richie Havens was singing about all those years ago. Um, stillness, understanding the mind. What is it that makes you want to get up a little earlier sometimes and go to a quiet place and sit and come to the classes and the retreats? Mm -hmm. That's what we really want to know in wise intention. We want you to investigate and explore that. And then setting an intention, if I value this, if this gives me value and I value it, how do I demonstrate the value? Because a lot of times we value things, but we don't give it the energy and the time and the incentive. We don't give it room in our lives. So if this is a value, how do I demonstrate to myself that I value it by my actions? And sometimes by letting go of things, too. A right intention has renunciation. Sometimes you have to let go of some things for the things you value. Does that make sense? Right? So right intention is placing what I value at the center of my existence, of my actions, my activities in my life, so that it has a place in my life. Very often, I notice in myself that so it's easy not to live by what you value because we get so busy. It's not like you're bad. It's just we get so busy and sidetracked. Um, so that's one thing. And the other thing about a wise intention, um, when there's a no coming from us, I don't want to, I can, I don't want to go, I don't, that we don't, res we respond to that with compassion for how sometimes the path is difficult. You know, sometimes we're really going against the stream in cultivating practice and lots of obstacles come up that we respond compassionately and not with um, an inner critic. As one of the imposters in practice is a spiritual critic. Have you met the spiritual critic? <laughs> oh boy. I mean, even, you can't even take... Um, aspirin or ibuprofen is <laughs> yes, a real headache producer, the spiritual critic, and it will just sneak in, you know, and tell you why you're not good enough to practice or what you did wrong in your practice. And that's an imposter. So you want to replace that with compassion. So one of the things my teacher said many years ago that I never forgot, practice incorporates two things, self-effort what we bring, and the rest is grace. It's just grace. It's the stuff we have no control over. When the conditions are right, our practice can deepen. We'll bear the fruit. And when the conditions are not right, it won't. And it all comes and goes. There could be a couple of dogs barking right now or the TV blaring. It's a condition, right? Um, but, we, but we bring our grace, our self-effort, and hopefully grace will follow, and it usually does. When we have a desire to awaken to the truth of the way things are, to know the nature of mind and self, and we really have that desire when that flame is lit, it's so interesting how grace supports. Things come into your life to support it. It's just amazing. The right book falls off your shelf, or somebody calls and says, hey, there's this great retreat. Or uh, somebody calls you and says, you want to ride? I'm going to sit. It's just amazing what happens. 
So bring your light the candle, light the flame of interest, and grace will support you in your practice. So, um, so another way to say self-effort versus grace is to say um, we do bring in the practices without a critic of resolve, persistence, determination, and resolution. And we set the intention of our practice, but we let go of that outcome. We let go of what it's going to look like. Expectations. Yeah. I don't know about you, but the inner, the spiritual critic that I have also has an image of what a perfect Buddhist practitioner looks like. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, do you have an image? What, what I would look like if I were perfect on the path? But remember that that's a fabrication, too. We need to let go of those images because they're nothing. There's no um, goal in that, you know. I'll tell you all later. She's got long, flowy hair. <laughs> and, and she's nice to everybody. Right? All the time. Right? Okay. <laughs> So, um, if this is an invitation today to do to begin this in-depth reflection, which includes being aware of what you feel in your body, your heart, and your mind. It comes from deep within, not a mind telling you what you should do, right? And um, is there anything else that I had to say about that? Oh. The Dalai Lama, uh, Lama said, um, what is the most important message, he was asked, what is the most important message to bring home to meditation students? And he said, tell them they can trust their hearts and awareness to awaken in the midst of all circumstances. So we can trust this beautiful intention, your intuition, your inner voice, this inner desire, or this thing that pulls you trust that. It's important. You can fully, fully trust it. And uh, someone once asked Swami Satchitananda, uh, he was asked by a student if he needed to become a Hindu to go deeply into practice. And he said, I am not a Hindu, I am an undo. <laughs> so we don't have to become something. We really undo what we think we have to become. anything else. And Suzuki Roshi said, the most important thing is remembering the most important thing. And that is the challenge of daily practice. So we're going to do some writing. Um, and I, I have some suggestions. The frustrated teacher part of me. <laughs> Venn diagrams. Ooh, that takes me back. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, so, so there are maybe um, you could say three areas to think about an intention. Um, one is this internal and personal area, which is your meditation practice, the study you do, the reading that you do. Um, investigation, awareness and investigation, we talk a lot about that here. 
um, and, a, and a self-compassion practice, as Kathy brought up, all very important. So that would be in the realm of an internal and personal. And then there is the interpersonal um, area of our lives, because we do get off the cushion and out of our pajamas, don't we? Um, and that would be um, right action, ethical behavior. Buddhism is a lot about ethical behavior. Wise speech, <coughs> loving speech, loving kindness, and generosity. Right? Our interpersonal worlds. Which this group really talked about kindness in the interpersonal world as um, something they're grateful for. And then there's a third one, um, which is uh, what we're talking about building and maintaining our community, which is important, um, and the communities that you live and work in. Generosity, uh, without generosity, nothing survives and maintains. Uh, ethics on a larger scale, our country needs you. Let's not say anymore. Our country needs you. Let's not say anymore. Um, action and service. And um, getting back to Richie Haven's song, Freedom, I got to meet him a number of years ago, probably about 10 years ago. It's somebody who had a really big career, and I love his voice and music. And I was at an event where the Dalai Lama was there, and he was going to sing for the Dalai Lama, which he did. He sang that song. And um, I was walking around. I came early. And he, um, we bumped into each other, and um, we had this spontaneous dialogue about service. And he said at a certain point he chose not to record. He wanted to go into schools and work with underprivileged kids like he was and give what he had received. And he devoted the rest of his life to that. And I was so moved by that. And his passion for giving what he received. And uh, a lot of our path is giving when we awaken. We don't just keep the flame to ourselves. We light up the rest of the world with what we receive. So it's a call for compassionate action. And we all need each other for that. That's hard work. So... um, so I'll, I'll tape this and leave this up, and there's some paper and some magazines to lean on if you want, and you'll have to... Um you have just listened to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.